To all my moms moving on, I have something amazing for you. If you're ready to move on from your engagement ring, the experts at Worthy can help you turn it into cash fast and risk-free. Worthy does all the work and their competitive auctions get you the best deal possible. Over 45,000 people have already moved on with Worthy. Are you ready to move on too? Visit worthy.com moms to get an extra $100 when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. That's worthy.com moms for a special bonus offer just for the Moms Moving On community. This week on Moms Moving On. I found out that my husband had been cheating on me um, while I was going through treatment. Uh, We were married for 20 years. Going through cancer treatment. You were going through the ins and outs of this every day and your husband was cheating on you. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Life moves on. So why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Welcome back to another episode of Moms Moving On. We have another real mama joining us today for a real story that you need to hear. Jenny Swinnerton is a mom just like me and you. She's been divorced. She's an attorney. But there's something about her story that stopped me in my tracks, and I'm so grateful she's here sharing it with us today. Jenny, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I think um, there are, I don't know, hundreds of podcast requests I get, and I had seen your name pop up in my inbox, and I said to my assistant, like, we have to talk to her, because (laughs) just just what we got from the email... I mean, wow, so many people are going to be able to draw on your strength, but I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself and we'll go from there. Well, thank you so much. Um, uh, like you said, I'm an attorney. I have two children. Uh, they are uh, 13 and 15, a boy and girl. Um, I've been divorced about a year and a half, separated just around two years. Um, and yes, I have quite the story, which, you know, is um, good and bad, right? Um, so it's it's been a journey and a challenge, but I really do feel like I'm coming onto the other side of it. Well, just the fact that you can appreciate the good and the bad means, you know, you definitely are in a better place from where you were. So tell right. us like, take us back <laughs> to when it was bad, right? And then we'll get to the good. Okay. Um, so in September of 2020, um, I was diagnosed with invasive breast cancer. Um, very, you know, obviously unexpected as it is for anyone, just um, had my um, annual mammogram, which, you know, would be also a plug for this is please, please, ladies, you know, get your mammograms. Um, and so I was a little delayed because of COVID, which so many people, you know, found that challenge. Um, so in November of 2020, I had a um, double mastectomy. Um, and the uh, cancer had spread to my lymph nodes. So, uh, that meant chemo and radiation. So recovered, you know, pretty well from the surgery, um, in January of 21, uh, started a couple months of chemo, then a reconstruction surgery. And then in May of June of 21, I did, um, five weeks of radiation and, that completed my treatment plan and, you know, I'm cancer free. I'm doing great. Um, Amazing. But, you know, 
it was a it was a challenge and a journey in and of itself. And a month after I finished treatment, I found out that my husband had been cheating on me um, while I was going through treatment. Uh, we were married going for twenty through years. Cancer treatment. You were going through the ins and outs of this every day, and your husband yes. was cheating on you. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. I'm so sorry. I found out uh, two days after my 20 year anniversary. Um, I mean, so it's like I say these things and sometimes I can't even still believe them myself. <laughs> it's just it's it's about as challenged and dirty as it, it can get. So how did you how did you find out, first of all? And, you know, was this something that started before you were diagnosed or was just something that happened in the interim? Um, it would have started around the time of, I think, that I was starting chemo. So he actually met her at my daughter's gymnastics gym. Mm. So because I was going through chemo and treatment, I couldn't take her to this, you know, dirty, dirty gym with the germs. Um, and so she had started that gym around that time, you know, so that was when they met. And so it would have started, you know, right around that time. How did you find out? Emails on his iPad. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, Talk about. Why are they so, st- like, no offense so to your baby daddy, but like, <laughs> like just stupid, like cover so your tracks stupid. or something. So stupid. And I mean, I, and Obviously, you have, I'm sure, a lot of listeners who have, you know, discovered the same information. And I cannot describe to you what that moment was like. Pressing, you know, email button on the iPad and just seeing your life flash in front of you. I mean, he had rented an apartment. He was moving out. He had put a deposit on an apartment, you know, two months before you know, they had picked out furniture together. I saw emails between the two of them, hotel receipts. I mean, the whole Jenny. And all the while you're thinking, I just went through the fight of my life. Yeah. I had, I just beat cancer and now I have to deal with this. Yeah. And I mean, part of my process too, is I need to be real and honest about our marriage and I have to be real and honest about, you know, I knew during that time, um, he was not, you know, happy and, um, it was difficult because I was sort of focused (laughs) on my treatment, but I knew he was not happy. And, you know, we were working through some things and, you know, having some conversations about our marriage, nothing at all to the extent of even, you know, separating or anything like that. It was just like, okay, you know, this is a time now in our lives to reset. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, this, we just went through this journey and, now, what does the other side look like? And had no idea, obviously, during that time that this was going on. So, I mean, I had, I've never had a panic attack in my life. And I mean, that instant, I cannot even describe it. I was scrolling through this iPad and my hands were curling. Like I couldn't even sort of function my hands because it's just so traumatic. It is so traumatic. And I, you know, thank God, which is also one of the things, you know, that I would share is, you know, build a tribe around you because Mm -hmm. within 10 minutes, you know, one of my best friends was here. My kids were home, you know, it was an afternoon. They were home. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't speak. I couldn't talk. I was hyperventilating. You know, she immediately helped me formulate a plan, got my kids out of the house, 
Um, you know, so I could talk to him when he got home from work and just, I couldn't have made it through that moment without her. Gotta be grateful for the village, right? You never realize how much you need them until you're in situations like that. So, you know, now you've gone through one of the hardest things in your life and you're faced with this and I'm sure the anger and the pain was just insurmountable. How did you navigate forward from that point? You know, I, I meet with so many women every day and rightfully so people get very stuck and rooted in this anger right. and they feel like that part's never going to pass. Right. And, and obviously it does, but it's, it takes work. It does. And I can't say it was obviously instantaneous or even is it still a little there, um, but it's better. And I have done the work I have done, you know, being an attorney, I'm sort of a problem solver. And Mm -hmm. so I dove into this as one of my problems I needed to solve. So I was sort of just voraciously, you know, getting my hands on everything I could. I, you know, got a therapist for myself, got a therapist for the kids. You know, I've listened to every podcast I could get my hands on, you know, read every book. Um, Just it's, Uh, there was no other option for me. I was going to get through this and I was going to come out of it on the other side because there's no option. Right. I mean, there is no option. I want to have a good life. Right. There's an option, but it's not a nice one. Right. There's that victim and victor mentality that I love so much. And I think that's what really shines through with you. It's like you, you just took your lemons and you really squeezed the hell out of them. And I'd love to hear, you know, what came out of this for you on the other side. Well, I think that um, having done all the work and I can't say that, you know, there still aren't challenging days. I'm still, you know, mourning the loss of what I thought my life was going to be. Right. And I'm mourning the loss of what I thought my kid's life was going to be. It was certainly a very um, unexpected trauma. And, you know, we met when we were 20 college sweethearts, He, you know, we were together for 25 years, my whole entire adult life. It's how do you unravel that? Um, and so I think it's just now that I'm almost two years into it, it's a process. You know, the first five or six months was just that unraveling process. It was, I remember having moments where even though he had moved out and I know, he, you know, I knew he was still with the affair partner, you know, something would happen and I would call him. And, you know, then I became sort of aware of that and I had yes. to break myself that, of that, oh. right? Breaking that marital cycle yes. of just instinct, right? Like, right. oh, this happened and he would appreciate this joke. And then you have to stop right. yourself. Like, why is it that we're looking for validation? Or is it just like a knee-jerk response that you've been conditioned because you've been with this person your whole adult right. life? I know that can be such a hard part of the process. I mean, he was my person for 25 years. And when you share children together, of course, you know, something happens with them. Well, the person that's going to care the most about it is the person who just caused you the worst pain you'll probably ever experience in your life. You know, it is, it's so confusing. Um, I mean, my therapist really was a godsend. She's this like 65 year old, you know, hippie who drops F-bombs during my sessions. And I just absolutely love her because I can appreciate that so much. And, you know, she really helped me walk through that process of, you know, he is not your person anymore. He does not care for you the way that he maybe originally did or did even, you know, halfway through your marriage. It's just, he's not 
that person, you have to figure out how to co-parent with him. And that's a different and new relationship. And so it's, I think just being aware of that because, you know, if you're not, you just walk through and then you're angry and you're, you know, he's not saying what you want him to say. He's never going to say what you want him to say ever again. Right. I love this therapist. (laughs) I feel like we need to interview her too, because that's the truth. The relationship dynamic has changed and we have to adapt or just become a victim of the pain of it changing. Right. And how do you co-parent with somebody? How do you put your pain aside? And it's one of the hardest things to do. And it's the method that, you know, we use in coaching our clients is separating the pain from having to do everything else. Otherwise it muddies the water. So how, how did you do that for yourself? Cause my next question was about how do you co-parent with this person? Well, after I kind of went through that initial process of the breakup, if you will, um, you know, I set a boundary for myself, which was we primarily only communicate via email. And of course, you know, there have been times where there's a last minute scheduling issue or something happens with one of the kids. And, you know, we certainly will pick up the phone and talk then. Um, But the bulk of the communication is via email. And, you know, I, I really sort of struggled with that. And that is that the best for my children? They don't really see mom and dad um, engaging anymore, you know, um, when he drops yes. them off. Yes, I like to okay. I like to always add that yet, right? Because time right. is a funny thing. Right. But I feel as if just seeing us interact is not necessarily all of, all of a sudden this healthy thing for them right. to see either because it would be challenging and painful and you know, again, just like everything, it's gotten easier um, when I see him at my daughter's lacrosse game or, you know, we sit obviously at other opposite ends of the stands. Um, and 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 that's a whole process that you have to go through. You, you know, I went instantly from having this person that sat beside me at every one of the kids' games to this person that I'm strategically, you know, figuring out where he's sitting so I can sit over here. I mean, it is, it's It's one of the realest struggles. Yeah. I mean, I I think every single person I've worked with is like, there's, there's either the the person who wants to block the other parent from coming to the games on their days because the pain is too intense. Yeah. Or, or the, you know, it's, it's hard, but that's what I'm talking about. Putting the emotions to the side. Right. But you don't know what the right thing is because you don't want your kids to see you tense with the other parent or upset in their presence, but you also want your kids to have the experience of having both parents there. It's such a conundrum, but clearly you're finding your way through it. They're calling it the Bible for all divorcing moms. I can't believe it, but that's what they've said about my book, Moms Moving On, Real Life Advice on Conquering Divorce, Co-Parenting Through Conflict, and Becoming Your Best Self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and come out on the other side, me. Through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. It's available in paperback, hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle. So go get my book. I promise you won't regret it. How how did your kids handle all of this? What was their understanding? Because 
A lot of moms, you know, there's a lot of questions around, am I honest with my kids? Do I tell them what went down? And I would love to know how you handled that, if you don't mind sharing. Oh, my gosh. Another aspect of my story that is just, um, you know, challenging. So it would it would have not been my intention for them to ever know the true story. We sat them down um, when, you know, after I found out after processing for a week or two, we sat them down and said, you know, told them that dad was moving out, um, that he had some things to work on and that, you know, we didn't know exactly where this was headed. Um, but, you know, I felt like I wanted to sort of ease them into it. Um, even though I knew where it was headed. Um, and I really had no intention of ever telling them the full story. Mm-hmm. Um, and even since then, I, I've, you know, never bad mouth dad to them. That is, you know, not something that I know would be healthy. Um, and it's just, it's not worth it. But unfortunately, because this was so intertwined and complicated, you know, a mom from the gym, she lives two miles down the road, she goes to my church, she has the exact same age children. Uh, You know, we live in a decent sized suburb, but, you know, it feels very small at times. Especially in these times. Yes. And, you know, again, I was being strategic. Um, I only told you know, a few family members and one or two friends because I didn't want that piece of it to get out into the community. So now, you know, he's left you for this person and it's a small town and now everybody's kind of talking and this and that. Are your kids spending time with her at this point or like, how did that all work out? No, not at the beginning. And this is, you know, a bit of advice I would definitely say to your listeners. It is the absolute best thing I did during the divorce process. Um, I asked him and required him essentially to put a clause in our shared parenting agreement um, that he was not allowed to bring his affair partner around the children for one year from the date of the divorce being final. And my gosh, in hindsight, I couldn't have imagined myself how I would have been able to deal with that immediate separation, that immediate knowledge, and then knowing that my children were going to be interacting with her. And it just gave us all a minute to heal. It gave them time. And now she is, you know, around and they have been introduced, but they are in such a different spot than they Mm -hmm. were you know, a year and a half ago and can handle that a lot better. I can handle it a lot better. Um, And my gosh, that was absolutely the best thing I did. I'm really glad you did that for all of you involved because sometimes putting that pause, um, it can, things deescalate over time. And and again, putting the children first. And for those of you listening, I know a lot of people do want to add to their parenting plans that they're, um, they're, exes or exes to be won't introduce a partner until, you know, the other parent knows about it. There are different situations. So I don't want you to listen to this and think this has to happen for you too. This was a unique situation. Sometimes it's a perfect idea. Sometimes it's not. And you remember what you put in your parenting plan. You also have to follow. So just sharing that because there were things I wanted in my parenting plan that now I have to follow. And I'm like, Oh boy. Okay. Well, anyway, (laughs) on that note, I'm glad what you did worked for you. And more than that, I'm glad that he was amenable to that idea. And, and in that sense, chose to put the kids first. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And so with the help of the kids therapist, which she was integral in all of this, I immediately 
talked to her and I said, I'm really afraid that they're going to find out and they're going to mm-hmm. hear it from some kid right. at a football game. Right. right. And they should hear it from you first if they have to hear it. Right. Um, and so she advised that we tell them and that it would be better coming from us. Um, and she walked us through how to do it and sort of, you know, tips on what to say. She said, you know, don't do it in the home so that they always associate that with learning that information. So we took them to a park. He and I had sort of rehearsed what he was going to say. He, you know, he did the talking and it was awful. It was awful. Yeah. I, I love that advice of not telling them in the place that they associate with safety. That's something I share all the time because for myself as a kid, I mean, I, that same message had to be delivered to me and I can tell you where Mm. I was sitting, what I was wearing, what the weather was like, like it, it just was, it's a core memory that never goes away. And I love that advice. And I love how you handled it. I have to say, relying on the help of professionals to make the best choices in this difficult situation is, I mean, it's just amazing. You really took the high road and did the right things here in all areas, despite how hard it was for you. And that's just, it's amazing. And I can't say, you know, every time I took the high road, I will say I've always taken the high road when it comes to the kids. I mean, there have certainly been things that I have said to him and, you know, just um, in the moment that were, you know, was just driven by my anger and my hurt and my trauma. But when it came to the kids, I mean, they were my sole focus. This was hard enough on them to begin with. And then, then you know, a few months in, we had to add this additional layer of information that they had to process about their dad. And, you know, they, they really do have a great relationship with him. Oh, I'm um, glad he, I was going to ask. He's a good dad. He yeah. is. And it's, you know what, it, it, if nothing else, if you can give them this hard truth and then also support their relationship with their father, you know, it shows them, it teaches them kind of this, not that what he d- did was okay by any means, because right. it wasn't, but we're human, we're flawed. We make these mistakes. We should not be judged based on our mistakes. There is a difference between right. making a big mistake and being a good parent, right? And so that's, that's the road, I guess, that I would have taken. Not, you know, not, not that it matters in your case, but it just makes the most sense for the kids so that 10 years from right. now, when they're telling the story of their childhoods, they can say, my mom really went through it, but man, did she handle it well? Because the alternative would be so hard on them. Well, and now in hindsight, you know, I really did struggle with the decision at the, in the moment because of course you want to protect them. And I didn't want them to have a severed, you know, relationship with him, but in hindsight, it really was the best because it also gives them some perspective, even though it's really hard for a 13 and 15 year old to have perspective. I think they will process this later as adults and have different, a different perspective, but Mm -hmm. I think that it also gave them a little bit of insight into why our relationship now is the way it is, you know, that they don't really see mom and dad, you know, engaging. Um, But they know that we communicate on the regular and, you know, I, I try to keep it light with them. I'll say, oh yeah, dad mentioned that, you know, when really I'm referring to the, you know, Monday email we had sent each other. And (laughs) so, you know, try not to be too specific. That's good. You know, giving the idea that you're still on the same team, even if you're not still under the same roof is so important because 
it also teaches these kids, like, you're not going to pull one over on me. Exactly. Dad and I still, you know, have, right. have adult conversations. So, but curious, you know, we've mm-hmm. learned about these the circumstances that you found yourself in, how you pulled yourself out of it, how you helped your kids, how you co-parent. But what about Jenny's life now? What's it like for you outside of all of that? You know, I um, am doing things that I never would have done, right? If I was married um, or if I'm still married um, and not, and I don't say that in a negative way, but I am lucky because I have a wonderful tribe of women in my life and friends. And that would be my biggest advice is even if it's a tribe of one, you know, find, find your tribe. And I also have five sisters. Oh, wow. Big old family. Yeah. So, um, two of them, you know, were here within an hour of that day that I found out and have just, you know, been through the ringer with me. Um, so I'm fortunate that I already had this tribe, but even since then, uh, I was just thinking about it last night. I was at my tennis league, which is something I started last year after I got divorced. Always got to like, find that thing. Yep. Right. Love that. Love that I always wanted to, I always wanted to take tennis lessons and he never did. And so it was one of the first things I did after we separated. And it's amazing because it must be the thing you do when you get divorced because probably half of our league is divorced and some of them have become such good friends of mine. You know, I love that you're saying this because I preach this on the regular and it was in my book, you know, about finding that one thing. Very often for women, it's the thing they felt restricted from in their marriage or that their husbands didn't approve of or didn't right. think they should take the time for. And I love that you did that. You know, for some people, it could be painting. For others, it right. could be tennis. For me, it was the gym. It's different for everyone, but it's so important because you grow a whole new part of yourself. And if you're lucky, find people in the same situation as you. Right. And they've really been such an inspiration in the sense that everybody has their own story. And you learn that too. You know, um, they each have a dynamic to their their story where you look at them and you're like, oh gosh, that's awful. You know, and um, they just teach me things and they give me things that I, you know, um, I don't get from my friends that are still married. And I mean, I get an, a, a lot of amazing things from my married friends, but there's just a connection there um, yeah. that you have, right? Of course. Nobody can understand right. divorce and co-parenting like someone who's been through it. And you can't, it's almost unfair to expect your married friends, right. you know, and I, I'm saying that because I feel like I am, I would find myself disappointed when before any of my friends were divorced, you know, it just like there wasn't empathy towards my situation or the fact that I didn't have my daughter that weekend. But then I realized I was expecting too much and asking too much of people who had no idea what it was like to be in those shoes. And I know everyone listening can relate, but again, finding something that, that fills you up is ultimately going to need lead to things like people that align with you um, right. just rediscovering a passion, you know, and, and it's so, so important because as my friend, Susan Guthrie says, divorce is not a death. It's an opportunity. And you right. certainly have made it that. Well, and you have to adjust to this new normal, you know, as, as a mom of two kids, as a married person for 20 years, you know, you really don't have a lot of alone time. No. And then <laughs> all of the sudden, right. In this instant, you have a whole weekend to yourself. Right. And that is challenging at the beginning. 
challenge. It's, it's been six and a half years for me, girlfriend. I'm waiting for it to get easier. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it, it is super challenging and it's, it's a, it's, there's a learning curve that you feel like, why do I have to learn this? I didn't even want this. And it's what we right. call the fuckery of co-parenting, but I'm yeah, sure for you, <laughs> you know, I have a feeling that your perspective on life, you have this elevated sense of gratitude because of your illness Absolutely. and coming out on the other side and being healthy. So I have no doubt that that helps you through the hardest parts. And I am lucky because I have always had that approach. And even when I was going through, you know, my cancer treatment, I would always say to everyone, this is just a blip on the radar. This is just a blip on the radar. I'm going to get through this and, you know, move on with my life. And, you know, I guess the same is true with the challenge that came right after that. Um, and, you know, that's another thing that I would go back to when you asked me, you know, how have I gotten through this? One of the things I also had to work through was, you know, being a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. I really didn't even get to process having gone through that journey because mm-hmm. I was immediately smacked into the face in the face with the next challenge. Um, and so I've been very conscious about that too. Another thing my therapist has worked with me on, um, and she talked to me a lot about, you know, you have to get rid of the anger and resentment. It feeds in your body like a cancer and you cannot keep that. You have got to release it and it's only going to make you sick if you don't. I mean, no truer words. Again, this therapist sounds like a godsend. I think everything, all of the people that you've got lined up for you in, in your journey, you know, it's just there are no mistakes, right? Like there are no coincidences. The people you end up with in your life are the people you really need. And I feel like that's a perfect place to end. The anger and resentment that you let fester inside of you will result in your feeling terrible and God forbid illness. And it's a choice. Be a a victor. Be a victor like Jenny, everybody. Jenny, any any last words for uh, someone listening who may be experiencing the pain of infidelity right now? Well, I have this sign that is sitting next to me that I bought um, probably within a month of finding out. And it's sort of been my mantra. So I always tell everyone that I've met since then going through this, you know, just listen to, you know, I'll buy you this sign and, you know, listen to these words. And it says, today is not the day to be a weak ass bitch. And that has has been my story. Probably not tomorrow either. Right. So... (laughs) Just, you know, sometimes you have to look at that sign and just remind yourself that. So I love this. And I'm so inspired by you and your attitude. Thank you so much. Your kids are very lucky to have you. I just got to say that. Um, And wow, for anybody listening, if you want to get in touch with Jenny for like some inspo, if you are dealing with cancer or infidelity or both, I mean, I'd love for people to be able to find you and connect with you. So where can they do that? Uh, So I'll give you my email, which is my full name, Jenny Swinnerton at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook um, under now my maiden name, which is Mag, M-A-A-G. So Jen Mag on Instagram and Facebook. And I would absolutely love that. We will tag all of it. Thank you so much. And for those of you listening, thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on Moms Moving On. So you want to be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. 
Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my Moving On Method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. I'm Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, Certified Divorce and Co-Parenting Specialist, and I founded the Moving On Method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process, along with how to make your practice successful. Visit momsmovingon.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.